Hey there, you are listening to the Motherhood Elevated Podcast. I'm your host, Annette Jones, and this is episode number 24, The Purpose of Life. You are listening to the Motherhood Elevated Podcast for women who want to find clarity of mind, create lasting emotional well-being and confidence, and achieve amazing potential. Come with me. This will be fun. Hello everyone, happy Friday and happy February. I've always loved this month and it's hard for me to believe that January is gone already, but I've got some fun things coming up in my business. Um, A program I'm working on that I'm really excited about, so stay tuned to find out more about that later this month. Um, Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm looking at my notes and right now my thoughts kind of seem a little bit random, but I've been thinking about all these things for a little while now and they felt right to share, so I hope this all comes together and makes some sense for you in the end. Um, I know the title is a big one that could go a lot of ways, but I'm excited to talk with you about it, so let's just dive right in. So um, a little while back where this kind of all started, my daughter mentioned hearing about a guy who was suing his parents for kind of an interesting reason. His complaint against them was that they had brought him into the world without having his consent. And that struck me a little funny because I'm not exactly sure how one would go about getting their child's consent before bringing him or her into the world, but I don't think he was too concerned about that little detail. Now this is a true story. This man goes by the name of Raphael Samuel. He's from India and this lawsuit took place a couple of years ago back in 2019. So Mr. Samuel, says that he he believes that it's wrong for parents to bring children into the world without their consent, um, which forces them to live a life that they never asked for in the first place. So he is a follower of of movement. It's called antinatalism, which takes the position that it's morally irresponsible for people to procreate um, because human life is so full of suffering. So he, this man, he was suing his parents because he believed that children who are unhappy about being born without giving their consent should be compensated by their parents for all of their financial needs for the rest of their lives. Because of course, their parents are the ones responsible for getting them into this mess in the first place. Now, I did a little searching and I couldn't find anything that indicated he was successful in this endeavor. But I did find um, a quote from his mother who said that she really admired her son's confidence in taking his parents to court um, since both of them were lawyers. And she also said that she would certainly accept fault if he could give her a rational explanation about as to how she could have gotten that consent from him. So I assume the lawsuit didn't work out too well for Mr. Samuel, but I also found some interesting information about the ideas behind this antinatalism movement. Um, So the most well-known antinatalist is a man named David Benatar, and he wrote a book called Better Never to Have Been, The Harm of Coming into Existence. And in this book, he asserts that if a couple um, has a hereditary genetic disease or lives in difficult um, circumstances, that they kind of have a moral obligation not to bring children into the world um, where they might suffer. Um, He also believes that um, we as humans... Um, underestimate just how miserable life, everyday life is. For example, um, we're often too hot or too cold. Um, We have to use the bathroom very frequently and inconveniently. We have to wait in long lines. We suffer pains and illnesses. And so he asserts that every inconvenience and discomfort we experience all add up to just a lifetime of suffering. And he even argues that a life containing even the most minute quantity of, of bad is worse than no life at all. 
So that's a pretty extreme view of our suffering in life, isn't it? That the philosophical view of hedonism is the belief that happiness in life comes from pleasure, comfort, ease, and enjoyment. And that sounds like a belief that the antinatalists kind of subscribe to, that if we're suffering in life, something has gone wrong. Now, there's a contrasting philosophical view um, called eudaimonium, which equates our happiness with our capacity as humans to grow, to progress, to learn, to pursue complex goals, and to contribute meaningfully to society. And so positive psychologists tell us that it's the in actually the integration of these two views that promotes human well-being and makes our lives worth living. So I think that's interesting. It's not just one or the other that makes for a good life, but a combination of the two. It's not bad to enjoy the pleasures of life, of course. God puts so many things on this earth for us to find pleasure in and have blessings from. But as you probably know, those things alone are not going to produce real lasting happiness or joy. We need those eudaimonic experiences and pursuits to really create a meaningful, fulfilling life. So our belief systems as humans are as different and individualized as our fingerprints, right? How we see the world, how we see ourselves, our perspectives all come from a combination of our life circumstances. Um, when we were born, where we grew up, who our parents were, whether we're an oldest, middle, or youngest child, what religion, if any, we were raised in, experiences we had in school, people we met, books we read, even messages we've gotten from movies or music. The list can just go on and on, right? So even siblings raised in the same homes with the same parents as they grow older can come away with very different experiences and belief systems. So of course not everyone is going to think the same way. We just came off a very tumultuous political year, right? And it's very obvious that there are a lot of different views and opinions out in the world. And so getting to our topic today, there are lots of different opinions and views about the purpose of our lives, why we're here on earth, how we got here, and what will become of us when we die. And these views that we have, our belief systems about the purpose of our lives will determine the way that we experience life, right? And so if you believe that the only thing that makes life worth living is to experience ease and pleasure, then yeah, you're probably gonna be pretty disappointed and frustrated with your life. And like Mr. Samuel, you might feel you need to be compensated for it. Or you might feel that it's better not to impose the suffering on anyone else by bringing more children into the world. So I wanted to talk today about how our perspectives and belief systems about why we're here, about the purpose of life, really do affect the way we experience our lives, the good, the bad, the challenges, the successes. And I'm not here to try to change anyone's beliefs, but just to help you kind of take a step back and consider what you do believe. And if you like what you believe is creating in your life, what your beliefs are generating. And then also to let you know that you can be more intentional about the beliefs that you hold um, and, and learn to believe things that serve you better. And for me, Mr. Samuel's story just kind of um, triggered some thoughts about the different views of this life and why we're even here. And I think if we understand why, it can change the way you approach the challenges and the disappointments and the suffering that comes. So if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And probably most of you listening to this are as well, but if you're not, and if you're interested, I'll take a minute to fill you in. So we have some very specific beliefs about our purpose here on earth, and even about how we ended up here in the first place. And I don't think our beliefs are too far off from some others. Many friends I've um, talked to who belong to other faiths um, resonate at least in part with many of the beliefs that I'm sharing with you today. So first of all, we believe that we are children of God. So this means that our spirits are literal descendants of divine heavenly parents. We're just one generation away. And so just like um, as children, we see our earthly parents and we want to grow up and be like them someday. Kids always seem to be in a hurry to grow up, right? To learn the next thing or to move on to the next stage of life. 
um, while we as parents wish they would kind of slow down a little, right? But as spirit children, we felt the same way. We wanted to someday become like our heavenly parents, and um, we all have that potential within us. So in order to reach our full potential and become like our heavenly father and our heavenly mother, we needed to move into the next phase of our progression, which included three things. Um, coming to earth to get a body. We didn't have a body as spirits, and that was an important part of this process. We needed to gain knowledge by experiencing all kinds of things here on earth, including opposition. We have the opportunity to experience joy and sadness and courage and fear and faith and doubt and light and darkness, peace and despair. The list could go on. Um, And honestly, we can't know one without the other, right? So opposition, even if it includes some suffering, was another critical part of that equation. And gaining this knowledge and this experience would help us in our quest to become um, spiritually like our heavenly parents, to develop their divine attributes, things like patience, unconditional love, faith, mercy, wisdom. All of these attributes are within us, just not quite fully developed. And so our experiences here on earth are helping us to grow and strengthen them and to to develop them. Um, We also needed agency or the power to choose. And so we believe that everyone who is here on this earth and who has ever lived on this earth and whoever will live on this earth um, made the conscious decision to come here. We were not forced into this life against our will. In fact, the scriptures tell us that as spirits in the life before, we, we shouted for joy at the opportunity to take this step into the next phase of our eternal progression. So Sherry Dew said, our spirits long for us to remember the truth about who we are because the way we see ourselves Our sense of identity affects everything we do. So again, what you believe about this life and your purpose in it and who you are will determine the experience you have and the person you are in every situation. In the easy things, in the hard things, in your happiness, in your suffering, it will determine everything. Um, I wanted to share a quote from Elder Richard G. Scott that I found years ago um, that I've loved. He said, you are here on earth for a divine purpose. It is not to be endlessly entertained or to be constantly in full pursuit of pleasure. You are here to be tried, to prove yourself so that you can receive the additional blessings God has for you. The Lord is intent on your personal growth and development. So if we believe that our experiences in this life have meaning and purpose, even the hard ones, even the ones we wouldn't have ever chosen for ourselves, we won't be so tempted to think that something's gone wrong, right? From my own experience, if I believe that there's a purpose to my suffering that has meaning, If I believe that good will eventually come of it, I'm not quite as resistant or hurt or resentful or frustrated when it comes along. Um, So these beliefs or philosophies that tell us that a life that includes suffering isn't worth living or creating for that matter, um, they seem kind of extreme, but from what I hear and read, there are many people in the world today who would agree with this. The number of children um, being born is decreasing. Abortions continue to be very common and prevalent. And my daughter was telling me the other day that a lot of the young people in her generation say they don't even want to bother having kids. Um, And I also read an article that there has been a sharp increase in women wanting abortions when the pandemic hit um, because of economic and health worries. So I think it's easy um, for a lot of people with the messages we get from the world today to kind of devalue life or think that it just sounds really hard to bring children into the world, even in ideal situations, let alone those, um, those that are less than ideal, right? But if we believe that the purpose of this life is meant to be a classroom to teach us how to become more like God and to prepare us for the next phase of our eternal journey and that God wants all of his children to have this experience, then maybe we can be open to the idea that there's more to life than we realize 
And maybe the goal of life isn't to have everything be easy and perfect. Maybe there's a much higher purpose to it all. Now I have to say that I know not everyone shares these beliefs or this line of thinking. And again, I'm not bringing this up to pass judgment or to tell you that your beliefs aren't right or that you should think differently. But I want to share with you a powerful example um, of how the beliefs you hold contribute to the way you respond to life's challenges and even to the direction your life can take. So I was reading recently that um, prenatal screening in Europe has drastically decreased the number of children born with Down syndrome and that nearly 100% of women in Iceland who test positively for Down syndrome choose to terminate their pregnancies. And um, numbers in other European countries are on the rise as well. France is about at 77%, England at about 91%, and Denmark is up at around 98%. And the statistic I found for termination rates in the United States were about 67%. And this is really interesting to me because while there are certainly complications and concerns that can come along with it, um, many people born with Down syndrome can live full, um, long, healthy lives. And it was interesting in this article, a counselor for women at a hospital in Iceland was quoted as saying, we look at abortion as a thing that we ended. We ended a possible life that may have had a huge complication, preventing suffering for the child and for the family. Okay, so there's a belief in that statement that if something isn't perfect, it invo- if it involves potential suffering or pain, it should be avoided at all costs. And I know that abortion is a very heated, complicated topic. There are lots of strong feelings on both sides of the debate. And I'm not here to get into all of that right now, but I bring this up um, because of the contrasting experience I came across from a mother who a little less than a year ago gave birth to a baby girl with Down syndrome. Now I asked for her permission to share her story because it really touched me and demonstrates the concept um, I was talking about earlier, that our beliefs about this life and its purpose will determine the choices we make and the experience that we have in it. So this sweet mom's name is Krista, and finding her was kind of random. One day she popped up on my Instagram search page. We follow a lot of the same people. And as I read her story and found out a little more about her, I realized that we had a little connection. So when Krista was a teenager, about 14 years ago or so, she started dating a guy that was in our ward. Um, he went to church, um, his, we were, went to church with his family. And one Sunday, I remember seeing him walk into church with this beautiful girl who just really stood out and she continued to come to church with him. Um, she was not a member of our church, but she ended up taking lessons from the missionaries and eventually was baptized. Well, I kind of watched all this from afar. I was a young mom with small kids at the time, but that beautiful girl with this amazing testimony just really left an impression on me. And so they graduated high school. I never really knew what happened to her until I ran across her on Instagram. And now all of these years later, she is this adorable wife and mother of six children. So about a year ago, she made a post to announce that she was pregnant with her sixth child. And in that post, she included a letter that she'd written to their extended families to share what she called some very special news about their baby girl. And she talked about her initial feelings of worry and shock upon hearing that her baby had tested positive for Down syndrome. But she said in a few minutes that she just felt completely calm and she felt the spirit telling her that everything was gonna be okay. And now I'm gonna quote her directly because she says it so beautifully and gonna try really hard not to get emotional. It's really beautiful. So she said, it was right then that I knew that God's hand was in all of this, that this was and is his plan that he trusts me, Ben, and our family to raise this little girl, and that this has been his plan for a very long time. She then goes into a few more of the details of doctor visits, tests, um, and some more spiritual experiences and other tender mercies that she and her family experienced during that time. And then at the very end, she says, 
I just want you all to know that I have so much faith in God and his plan. He has known from the beginning and has entrusted us with this special spirit. I know she is meant to come to the earth to our family. She will soften hearts, brighten faces, and teach us how to truly love. I can see our kids with her and it warms my heart. She will be such a blessing to them, to us, to the world. With all my heart, I can honestly say that I'm excited to meet the sweet spirit and live a life with her in it. And I'm grateful to a Heavenly Father who loves us, trusts us, and has truly blessed us with this sweet, special gift. So this baby girl was born in April of 2020. And if you look at Krista's Instagram feed, you can see that this is exactly how they feel about their sweet little Zoe. She is the source of so much light and joy and love in their family. And I love Krista's faith, her perspective, the ability that she had to see and to believe in the joy and the blessings that this little spirit would bring into their home before she was even born. She was able to see um, a situation that others would perceive as devastating or would lead to pain and suffering as a beautiful opportunity for learning and growth and love. So if you want to follow Krista, she's on Instagram, you can find her at Krista Chamberlain. She's a pretty inspiring one. Um, but you can see there the contrast between these two views, right? How our perspective and our beliefs will have an effect on how we handle um, the challenges that come our way. So um, I want to share a quote from Parley P. Pratt, who was an early leader of the church. He wrote, um, why came ye into this world of woe? You came to earth to be born of flesh, to fashion and perfect your earthly house. So to fashion, so the purpose of our life he's saying here is to fashion and perfect our earthly house. At least one of the purposes, right? So let's break that down a little bit. What is your earthly house? It's your body, right? We came to earth to get a body, which includes our human mind. So the word fashion in this sense means to make something suitable for a new use or situation. So that means that our that part of our purpose here on earth is to, to is to get our bodies and minds more suitable for the next phase of our progression. In the scriptures, um, we hear about the carn about being carnally minded versus spiritually minded, and this is how we relate it to what we know about our brain and our tendencies as humans. So to me, the carnal mind is what science calls that lower or primitive brain, concerned with our survival, right? That hedonistic side of us that seeks pleasure and avoids pain. And the spiritual mind is our spirits, that divine part of us that's driven to grow and expand and take on challenges and reach a higher potential. Now, I had always thought of the carnal mind as something that was kind of bad, that we needed to get rid of, right? But actually, if that carnal mind is trying to keep us alive, that primitive brain, it must not be too terrible. And I think what makes this tricky is how the adversary tries to capitalize on those tendencies of our lower brain and use them against us. He uses addictions, um, distractions, feelings of shame, unworthiness, um, fear, anxiety, right? He doesn't hold back. So when we hear about the natural man being an enemy to God, I think that's talking about the times when I allow myself to be driven by that instead of using my higher brain, that part of my brain that, that sets us apart as humans, apart from the animals, and gives us our agency. We're given that gift so that our spirits can be the drivers of our lives, not our biological, carnal minds and bodies. So that condition of the natural man um, is not a punishment, right? It's not something that makes us bad. It's actually a challenge. So that's part of our work to do here on earth, to take these mortal bodies and minds of ours and all the challenges and weaknesses and natural man tendencies that come with them and to kind of get leverage over them, right? To be changed by them and to prepare them for a more eternal, exalted state. 
So all this is just to say, don't get discouraged and don't think you've done something wrong because you struggle or because you aren't perfect or because your life doesn't look perfect. Nothing has gone wrong. That's how it's meant to be. It's not a punishment. It's just part of our opportunity and our challenge. So one last thing I wanted to share is part of a TED talk that I heard years ago and ran across again recently. If you know me, you know how much I love those TED Talks. Um, So this one was called Death Brings New Context to Life, and it was given by Dr. Mary Neal, who talks about a near-death experience she had while kayaking in South America. And she was pinned underneath water without oxygen for about 30 minutes, and she relates the experience that she had as she was shown kind of a review of her life and then taken to heaven. And you really just need to go listen to her story. It's a pretty amazing one. But one thing that she said that really struck me was how you understand death directly determines how you experience your life. And she goes on to compare our life here on earth um, as just a temporary time away from our real home, like going away to summer camp. She talks about how much she loved her childhood home. She loved everything about it, her family, her friends, her neighborhood, the trees, the stream behind her house, the fresh cut grass. She says that when she was home, she was comfortable and content and felt safe and secure and loved, and she never wanted to leave. But then one day, um, her parents sent her off to summer camp and she was a little nervous. She'd never been away from home before, didn't know what to expect, but assumed that it would be a great learning opportunity for her. And it was. She said she learned how to swim and to sail and to water ski. She says she learned about kindness and humility and she made friends and had bonfires and it was great, but it wasn't all good. She said the beds were hard. She didn't really like the food. Um, She got stung by a bee and had to spend time in the nurse's cabin, which she hated. (laughs) Um, She, but she was also able to find humor in all of those hard things um, because she knew her time at camp was temporary and that before long, she would be going back to her comfortable and familiar home. And so sure enough, at the end of the summer, the bus came to take her home and she and her friends were sad to say goodbye and they cried, but really she was looking forward to go home, going home and sleeping in her own bed. And she said, I knew that my family was waiting for me and they'd be so happy for me to come home. So um, I'm going to quote her now. She says, the point I'm making with this story is that it was the existence and reality of my childhood home and the knowledge that I'd be going back there again that brought a context to my time at camp that allowed me to experience it as a great adventure. And she goes on to say, the reality and existence of our true and permanent spiritual home brings a context to my time on earth that allows me to experience it as a great adventure with great meaning and purpose. And it changes the way I experience both good times and bad. So Dr. Neil goes on to say that living in that context really, um, really changes the way we live our lives. She says problems become opportunities. Love becomes the only thing that really matters. And the door to experience being God's presence in your daily life begins to open. And then she adds, and most profoundly joy, the joy that transcends circumstances will become a state of being. Okay, again, go listen to that talk if you want to hear her whole story. It's really one of the most beautiful talks that I've ever heard. Um, and I hope that as you've listened today that you've been inspired, that you've been able to feel some hope, that maybe the challenges you're facing in your life right now just might be more doable than you think. And I hope that we can all take on that perspective that our lives are just great adventures, even the hard times, the pain, the suffering, all of it, um, and that they have meaning and purpose. So thanks so much for joining me this week. As always, if you want to connect with me, I'm on Instagram at Annette Jones Coaching. I'd love for you to come hang out with me there. 
and I will see you back again here next time. Take care.